hitting you once again. Right what I told you we were going to pick up. Okay, hope it didn't scare you off thinking about, you know, challenging this to see. Because I'm telling you, this is really cool. And it, to me, it's exciting. and It's amazing to see how God's Word works. But stay with it. It's a little complicated. All right? Not all of it. Parts of it are. Okay, now, first off, here's what we're going to do. Does Jesus of Nazareth qualify to be the Messiah? Now, concerning the Messiah, his birth, what I mean by that is he had to be a descendant of two particular people. Now, you may already know who they were, okay? But he had to be. If he was not descended from them, then he cannot be the Messiah. Here's why. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. In this passage is what's called a messianic prophecy. A statement, a prophetic statement concerning the Messiah to come. And the statement is made to Abram, or Abraham as we know him. Okay, verse 1 of, of Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Now here's the promises of God to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. No doubt. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. We're still talking about him today. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And here it comes. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That is a messianic prophecy. That is a statement to Abraham saying the Messiah will come through your descendants. He will be in your lineage. Okay, so we know one person the Messiah has to come from in his genealogy is Abraham. Now, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel 7. Is that right? It's not right. Second must be second. 2 Samuel 7. Oh, that's it. 2 Samuel 7. And you probably already noticed if you're there, the heading above the chapter, God's promise to David. He's going to make this promise to David as well. Look, this terminology that, that God uses when he talks about sitting on the throne of David. Now that could be an actual king along the way. all right. But when he says this one will sit on the throne of David forever, that's a messianic prophecy. Okay, sitting on the throne of David forever. And right here, he tells David that's the case. Watch. Look in the, the middle of verse 11. You see the paragraph, new paragraph? The Lord declares to you, you, that's David. I forgot to uh, set my timer. I'm bad about that. Timers don't matter a whole lot to me. But I try to be true to the deal here. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I'll, just, I'll come here. I'm back now. But I wanted to uh, make sure I did this right. Just in case. Okay. So, God makes this promise to David. Look at ver in the middle of verse 11. The Lord declares to you, David, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. 
When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. Ready? And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Forever. So, as far as the birth is concerned, there's two people that the Messiah has to be a descendant of. I know my writing is so bad and this fat marker is no fun. Two people that the Messiah has to be descended from, Abraham and David. If he's not a descendant of Abraham and David, he cannot be the the Messiah because God promised them that he would be. So, now, turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1. And you've always wondered, why all these genealogies in the Bible? Well, they, they, they're very important, especially to the Jews, but we find out they're important to us as well. So, everybody in Matthew 1, check it out. Verse 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Right there, first verse. The, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, or the son of David, and the son of Abraham. So we got it, right? So, so we'll say, okay, so as far as his, his birth, bam. Check that one off, okay? We got that covered. Or so it appears. Hmm, what do you mean? (laughs) Okay, if you read this genealogy in Matthew. Well, verse 2, there's Abraham, right? Going down, you know, the father of, the father of, the father of. Look down in verse 6. Jesse, the father of King David. David, the father of Solomon. Just going down, going down. So, there's the two guys, right? That's correct. But... This is not really Jesus' genealogy. Uh, I beg to differ. The first verse says the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. I realize that. And we'll explain that in just a moment. But if you continue with this genealogy, go all the way down. Look, go, go to verse 15. 15, is that right? Yeah, 15. Eliab, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathan. Nathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus. Nathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph. Was Joseph Jesus' father? Now we know better. This is Joseph's genealogy. Not Jesus's. Read it again. Start verse 15. Eliab the father of Eleazar. Eleazar the father of Mathan. Mathan the father of Jacob. And Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. 
This is Joseph. So why does it say the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the first verse? It's because when Joseph adopts Jesus as his earthly child, then he takes on all the rights and privileges of a child. This becomes his legal genealogy. So it's perfectly fine that it's worded in that fashion because it would legally be his genealogy. Absolutely. Okay. So we think, oh, okay. So we're, we're still good. You know, adopted by Joseph. Therefore, now he's... Go back to Second Samuel 7. Now, we read this a while ago, but I didn't make any big, big deal about it. Because I wanted to come back to it. Second Samuel 7. This is the promise to David. Watch. In the middle of verse 11 again. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your, with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body. This coming one, this Messiah, will be, yes, will be a descendant of David and an actual, sorry, an actual blood descendant. Adoption won't cut it in this case. So, let, let's, let's put this on hold for a moment. Because we haven't answered the birth yet. We thought we had it in one verse. Okay? But there's other problems. This is getting cluttered. The curse sounds sounds a little frightening, doesn't it? Turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 22. Jeremiah 22. Okay. Now, there was a character in the Old Testament, a king. I'm going to have to do this. Here's what we'll do. We'll wait on this. It'll, that, that'll be a while. There's a king that he's called by three different names. Jehoiachin. Jeconiah. And Coniah. That writing's horrible. Now deal with it. I, do, I have to all the time. So there is a king. Jeconiah, I'm sorry, Jehoiachin, Jeconiah, Coniah, same guy. And he is, he's as wicked and evil as they come. I mean, he is bad, bad news. So bad that God is going to curse him. Okay? If you'll go to Jeremiah 22, look at verse 24. 24. As surely as I live, declares the Lord... Even if you Jehoiachin, oh, by the way, where it says Jehoiachin, it's got a footnote, the little footnote by it, in, I believe, or it is on mine, 
Look down at the bottom to the reference to uh, in Hebrew Koniah, a variant of Jehoiachin. So I'm not making this up about the names. We'll see the other one in a minute. So uh, it says Jehoiachin down at the bottom of the table is that same as Koniah. Okay? As surely as I live, declares the Lord, even if you, Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were a signet ring on my hand, I would still pull you off. I will hand you over to those who seek your life, those you fear, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and to the Babylonians. I will hurl you and the mother who gave you birth into another country where neither of you was born, and there you both will die. You will never come back to the land you long to return to. So he's laying it out on this guy. So first off, he's sending him out of there to Babylon. They're going to die there. You'll never return. That's bad enough. But look what else he says. 28. Is this man Jehoiachin a despised broken pot, an object no one wants? Why will he and his children be hurled out, cast into a land they do not know? Oh, land, land, land. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, here comes the curse. Record this man as if childless. A man who will not prosper in his lifetime. Here's why. For none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. So he tells Jehoiachin, Jeconiah, Coniah, none of your descendants will ever sit on the throne of David. They're out. So one thing I know, Jehoiachin, Jeconiah, Coniah, none of his descendants can be the Messiah because they won't sit on the throne of David at all, much much less forever. Okay? Back to Matthew chapter 1. Back to this genealogy in Matthew 1. That was Jesus' legal genealogy. But what we found was, first problem is, adoption is not going to cut it in the case of the Messiah. It has to be a natural born child. A natural born descendant. Okay, so we've got a problem there. But now look at this. We're not going to read this whole genealogy. You can do that sometime. Uh, let's see, go down to... Well, well, in verse 6, where we went to David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Now get ready. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. The father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amon. And Amon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. There he is. Look, look. See the footnote? Little letter A. That is Jehoiachin. Jehoiachin, Jeconiah, Coniah, right there in this genealogy. So no one coming from this genealogy qualifies to be the Messiah. Hmm. Interesting. 
Okay, so where we thought at the beginning, we thought this particular genealogy was great because it was going to cover both things, uh, both people, you know, right from the first verse we read, Abraham and David. Well, that's out because it's not really his genealogy. And you know what? It wouldn't matter anyway because that genealogy is cursed. So now we have a question. concerning the birth and the curse. Because we got a problem with both of them. Hmm. So what about that? Well, let me ask you this. How many genealogies do we all have? Talking about, you know, branches. How many, not all of the branches, but how many genealogies basically do we all have? Well, we all have a mother and a father. Whether we even know who they are or not, we all have a mother and a father. Therefore, we all have two. That's right. That's right. Hmm. So... Let's turn to Luke, chapter 3. Luke, chapter 3. Oh, lo and behold, there's another big genealogy in Luke, chapter 3. Now, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to compare these two genealogies. But they're a little awkward, a little difficult to to compare them. Because look at this one compared to the one in Matthew 1. You see immediate difference? Yeah, the one in Matthew 1 says... The father of the father of the father of. And the one in Luke 3 says, The son of the son of the son of. So here's what we're going to do. Turn to the very end of Luke 3. Now, let's think about this. Is this fair? Can I do this? As I compare these two genealogies, can I take the one in Luke 3, go and reverse, and say the father of the father of the father of? Well, I can't. It's fair to do that. All right, But I think that way we can compare the two more easily. And look, Luke's genealogy that he's got listed here, it goes all the way to God. Look at the last verse of uh, Luke chapter 3. It starts with God. And we could say then, God the father of Adam, Adam the father of Seth. See how we're going to do that? Cool. All right, so go up to, oh, I don't know. Let's go to 35. And we're going in reverse, remember. Shelah, the father of Eber, Eber, the father of Peleg, Peleg, the father of Ru, Ru, the father of Sarah, Sarah, the father of Nahor, Nahor, the father of Terah, and Terah, the father of Abraham. Beautiful. There's one. Abraham, the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah. See, how are you with me? Judah the, Judah, the father of Perez. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Abinadab. Abinadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. Beautiful. Now watch this. It says, David, the father of Nathan. Wait a minute. Over here in Matthew 1... It says, David, the father of Solomon. Is that a contradiction in the Bible? 
No, it just means David had more than one son. Right? And so, right there, at David, this branch goes through Nathan, while the branch in Matthew 1 goes through Solomon. So what happens with this genealogy, it bypasses the curse. Jeconiah, Coniah, Jehoiachin, not in the, That was after Solomon. We're following after Nathan. Now there's an interesting thing that takes place in this genealogy. Because you see folks, I believe with all my heart this is Mary's genealogy. This is Mary's. But it never mentions Mary's name. That's interesting. Look what it does though. Keep going up. Keep going up. There's no Jehoiachin, Jeconiah, Coniah there. And then when we get all the way up to verse 24... We've got Melchi, the son of, I mean, the father of Levi, Levi, the father of Mephat, Mephat, the father of Heli, Heli, the father of Joseph, who was, well, now wait, let's flip it here, just to see this verse about Joseph. Go to verse 13, and we're going to go normal. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Now, watch. He was the son of. So it was thought of Joseph. This is not claiming Joseph's genealogy here. It says he was the son. Oh, people thought he was the son of Joseph. The son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so. But that wasn't Joseph's. We already saw it in Matthew 1. And they weren't claiming this was Joseph's genealogy. Y'all, most theologians will believe this is Mary's so why didn't they say Mary? I don't know. Some will say it's because women didn't get a lot of credit, so they don't like to list their names. That may or may not be true. They've got women's names in genealogies. Look at Matthew 1. So I'm not really buying that. Another factor plays up, and you can Google it these days. Uh, it refers to a, a father-in-law. and a, uh, Anyway, I, I don't have to even delve into it anymore. This is Jesus' genealogy. And I know he was born of Mary. And I know Matthew 1 is Joseph. So if this be Mary's genealogy, which I believe wholeheartedly it is, then all of a sudden the birth is right because you've got Abraham and David coming from his own body through Mary. Matter of fact, that's the only one that can qualify him as the Messiah because he came from Mary's own body and he had to. The curse is bypassed. No curse in Luke 3. So all of a sudden where we were striking out a while ago, oh man, we're good. Birth, good. Curse, good. No curse to worry about anymore. So you know what? Let's get rid of them. How do you like my eraser? I know. Impressive. Right? Okay. That brings us to the final step of our, of our investigation. The purse. Now, what in the world is that about? Well, I'll tell you. The purse, and look, Bill Smith is the one that coined these. The birth, the curse, and the purse, so they kind of sound cool. And it, it, 
it applies, okay. The, the purse is in reference to, referring to inheritance rights. In other words, having the right of the parent to pass on to the child any kind of inheritance rights. In this case, we're talking about the right of Jesus of Nazareth to sit on the throne of David. Okay? So was there, uh, did the parent have the right to pass that on to him as, as a king forever? Okay, now here's why it's a question. Women, here we go again, they didn't have a lot of, of rights. And at one point in time, when it came to inheritances, uh, women, women, women didn't have any at all. Matter of fact, they could not inherit anything. They could not pass on an inheritance to a child. It was just through the men. Okay, and so let's go to Numbers chapter, uh, let's see, chapter, I think 36 is the last one. Yes. So we're going to go to Numbers chapter 27. Numbers 27. Because at this point in time, women had no inheritance rights. They could not receive an inheritance. They could not pass on an inheritance to a child. That was only through the men. All right? Something's about to change. Okay? Numbers 27 verse 1. The daughters of Zelophehad, son of Hefer, son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, belonged to the clans of Manasseh, belonged to the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. The names of the daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, come on, Milcah, and Tizra, Tirza. They approached the entrance to the tent of meeting and stood before Moses. Now look. Let me, let me just, let me paraphrase what's about to happen. Those girls, all girls, Zelophehad was their father, had only girls, that whole list right there. No sons, just daughters, and he dies. All right? Well, the, the girls get nothing as an inheritance because women don't have inheritance rights. So, they approach Moses and they say, look, we think it's only right, just because our father had no daughters. He was a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, why, why shouldn't we get an inheritance from him? Even being women. So look, verse 5. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord said to him, What Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and turn their father's inheritance over to them. So... All of a sudden, women have inheritance rights. Now, that all seems well and good, okay? Until, turn to, turn to chapter 36. Something else happens in this same subject. Oh, man. Damn. <clears throat> chapter 36. Here's what happens now. Some other Jews, some other Israelites, they, they bring their case before Moses and say, Time out. Part of our inheritance, you know, as the sons of Jacob, is land, is territory. Okay? Well, if you give those girls part of that inheritance of land and they go marry somebody outside of our tribe, they, they take that land with them. It's supposed to be ours, to our tribe. 
What about that? Hmm. So Moses says, that's interesting. So he goes to God again to ask him, you know, what, what do I do about that? So here was the conclusion. Verse 5. Then at the Lord's command, Moses gave this order to the Israelites. Here it is. When it comes to women and inheritance rights. What the tribe of the descendants of Joseph is saying is right. So this is what the Lord commands for Zelophehad's daughters. They may marry anyone they please as long as they marry within the tribal clan of their father. No inheritance in Israel is to pass from tribe to tribe. For every Israelite shall keep the tribal land inherited from his forefathers. Every daughter who inherits... So you see the point was... They have inheritance rights as long as they marry someone from their same tribe and clan. Now, my, my alarm just going off, but let's just extend a little bit. Okay, so there's the dilemma. Only if an Israelite woman marries with her, her own tribe and clan, only then do they have inheritance rights. So, the final question comes down to, did Mary marry someone from her own tribe and clan. Was Joseph from her from the same tribe and clan as Mary? Well, the answer is an absolute yes. Mary married correctly to be able to pass an inheritance on to her son in this case to sit on the throne of David forever. But how do we know that? How do we know that Mary married correctly? Because we have both genealogical records, Matthew 1 and Luke 3. You see, where Matthew 1 was pretty much striking out a while ago on the birth and the curse, out. All of a sudden, we have to have Matthew 1 to confirm the, the genealogies of Mary and Joseph. I mean, they're both, from the, they're both straight from David. The tribe of Judah. And so, um, but unless we have them both, we don't have proof, verification. But because we do, the birth, I mean, the purse is solved and Mary does have inheritance rights to pass on to her to her son Jesus the Christ. Okay? Now look, I know that's a little intricate. Okay, but here's the cool part. Even even when we look at him through a microscope, even when we look look at him to the nth detail, he comes through with flying colors. He's the guy. He's the one. Jesus, Son of God, Savior of the world. We've got the right guy. I don't care how particular you try to dissect it. He stands true as to who he is. All right? So, woo! Praise the Lord. I'm glad we know him. And I'm uh, hoping as we're making this journey, you're, you and I both are drawing closer and closer to him along the way. Father, thank you. Thank you for rescuing us from ourselves. And Jesus, thank you for your commitment to us, what you've done for us in the past, what you're doing for us right now, 
and what you're going to do for us in the future. We praise you. We thank you. Help us to honor you and glorify you each and every day of our lives through you. In your name we pray. And amen. All right. Till next time. Have a great one. Thank <music> you.